This evening we went to Costco, and it seems like you can't get out of that place for less than about a hundred dollars. <laughs> yeah, it's like we bought What'd we bought Costco some pancake mix and some baking soda, some <laughs> OxyClean, and I'm trying to think what else. We did get some Stroop waffles. Have you ever had a Stroop waffle? Stroop waffle. Stroop no. waffle. I'm not sure where it's from. I'm not sure if it's Dutch, maybe. But it's these two little waffles, very, very thin waffles. And in between, it's kind of like a honey. It, it, it's a thick. It's not It's not runny. But it's a thick mixture in between. And, yeah, it's really good with... Like a uh, strudel? Or what? No. Is, it, is that... No, it's a... What's... The whole thing is What's probably... What's the about? I don't know. It's probably okay. less than a quarter inch thick. It's very thin. But it just has on both sides, it has the very thin waffle, like kind of like those waffle cookies that you've maybe had before, like the chocolate mm-hmm. and vanilla like wafers. It's almost like that, but better. Yeah, yeah. And then in between, there's this sugary, syrupy stuff, but it's thick. It doesn't run, at least not at room temperature. So we got some Stroop waffles. That was, LaShawn and I were talking and we're kind of happy that that was about the only thing that was really a frivolous expenditure. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Pretty much everything else was on our shopping list, but we did go around and look at different things. We walked through every single one of the aisles. It took us the better part of two hours to go through Costco. Wow. <laughs> but we tried. We didn't We didn't buy too much, so I feel like it was successful. Did you get out of Costco... Like when you got out, were you full? Are they giving out their their samples again now? I'd heard they'd stopped. The, yeah, they d- they did have their samples, just a couple, but there wasn't that many. But we did stop at the food court and got some pizza, and then on the way out, well, uh, we came in and got pizza, and then did our shopping, and bought our stuff, and then we got some ice cream with strawberries, and mm. sat around and ate that. The boys really enjoyed that. I think Jimmy would probably eat nothing but ice cream <laughs> yeah. if he was allowed to, but but right. we don't allow him to. So, <laughs> yeah. Then we went to Lowe's and we're getting a new stove, a new range for our kitchen, and we had to get some new plugs for that. Plus, anyway, I'm, I'm definitely starting to feel more middle aged every day. I was telling somebody the other day that. <laughs> I'm really excited about these things that that just sound like an old person. So, so I'm really excited about this new range that we're getting. Like this has excited me more than almost anything else the last six months. <laughs> okay. And and also I was talking with somebody about hobbies, and I said, well, one of my hobbies is gardening. Mm-hmm. And then I'm also probably going to be getting a van, like a minivan here before too long. So. Like you put those two things together, that's basically the middle age trifecta. <laughs> you are now officially old. That's right. <laughs> uh, well, once you get your once you get your stove, then you can uh, maybe make hot sauce on it better. I I heard earlier this week that you were making hot sauce, and I intentionally didn't ask because I wanted to maybe talk about it tonight. So tell me. Tell me about your middle-aged hot sauce making. (laughs) Yeah, well, about three years ago, I wanted to to plant some hot peppers. So I got some cayenne peppers 
and some jalapenos and I made some hot sauce and I really liked it. And I even made some, I bought some habaneros and made some mango habanero sauce, which is almost like a, almost like a hot pepper jelly kind mm-hmm. of, but it's not, it doesn't have chunks in it. It's actually a wing sauce. And then I had with the cayennes, I made chipotle hot sauce. So I took some chipotle chilies, some cayenne peppers, some tomato sauce, some vinegar, brown sugar, liquid smoke, maybe some paprika, and just kind of mixed it together and made this really smoky, kind of a medium hot sauce. And so every year I've grown some different type of pepper and made hot sauce with it. Mm. And it's something that I kind of enjoy. Yeah, LaShonda just kind of lets me take care of it. She doesn't <laughs> she doesn't like hot sauce as much as I do, and she doesn't <laughs> want to deal with the hot peppers. And so I pretty much take care of it. I even have canned hot sauce myself, so I've even managed to get that that uh, mark on my belt. Like, How much do you go through, like, if, if you make, or maybe the stuff that you made this week, for example, how much do you make at a time? Well, this was a fairly small batch. The peppers that I planted, it takes a long time for them to, to mature. I had a bunch of peppers. I mean, there was probably close to 100 peppers on the plant, but there were only maybe 15 to 20 that were ripe and before the frost cayenne? hit. These were cayenne? No, no, these were peach sugar rush peppers. Okay. <clears throat> I don't think I have heard of those before. Yeah, I hadn't either. It's a it's a seed catalog. Well, yeah, another piece of evidence that I must be middle-aged is I ran across this seed catalog, and I even paid money to buy this big <laughs> seed catalog from this company <laughs> in Missouri. And you know, I, I, I spent hours like flipping through this thing, looking at all the different varieties. That does sound like a lot of fun. <laughs> Which I sent some seeds down to Peru with you all mm-hmm. uh, that, that we bought from that catalog. So, so like, what kind of peppers are they? Tell me about them. Yeah, they. I'm trying to think what they would look like. They almost remind me just like the the way they look and the way they feel. They have kind of a waxy outside to them, and they're almost translucent a little bit. And they almost remind me of a of a habanero pepper, but they're not. Like habaneros are pretty small and squat, but these are longer. Yeah. So they're they're longer peppers, but they have kind of ridges and stuff going down the length of the pepper. And yeah, they're called peach sugar rush. And they, they turn this beautiful peach shade when they're ripe. And they're sugar rush because they're sweet and they're also pretty hot. They're they're hotter than jalapenos by quite a bit. But I did get one pepper and bit off just the end so I wouldn't get any seeds mm-hmm. and chewed it up and actually swallowed it. And it was, it was yeah, it was sweet. It had a distinctive, almost a fruity flavor hmm. that I really liked. And then when I made the hot sauce, I took all the seeds out and it was still pretty, pretty spicy. I think, yeah, I probably had about 15 peppers and threw them in a blender along with a little bit of garlic, some salt, some white vinegar, and I'm thinking there was something else, but it's not coming to mind. Oh, oh uh, just a little bit of sugar. And I blended them up, and so it made this really concentrated stuff. Like, I took the top off of the blender. I could just, like, these fumes started coming out, and then I had to be careful not to take a too big of a whiff or I would start coughing and hacking just from all the capsaicin in the fumes. And I tasted that, and it really didn't taste that great. It was really hot, 
and very vinegary, much more vinegary than I would like. So then I got about three or four cups of frozen peaches out of our freezer and threw it in there and blended it up and it went from not very good to really good. And so I made about a quart, I think, mm. of hot sauce and it's fairly mild. Once I put the peaches in, it was pretty mild. And so I'm guessing we'll probably go through it fairly quickly. Uh, the really hot, hot sauce, it takes me a long time to go through it. I had one little bottle that I've been working on for the better part of a year, and there's still mm. plenty left. <laughs> so this is more of a sweeter sauce than like, what do you use it on? Well, at work on Tuesday, we some of the department that I'm part of, we ordered in food, and it was Mexican food from just down the road. And I just took just a spoonful of this sauce and just put it on top of my enchiladas because mm. it was just kind of a kind of a peach flavor. It was pretty sweet. Well, not that sweet, but it definitely had a sweet flavor to it. And then after you tasted it, you got on the very forefront of your tongue, you got peach and sweet. And then after a couple seconds, you would get a little hit of the vinegar and of the heat. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it, it just was really good. There was one person there that was just taking a, a just tortilla chips and dipping it in it like it was salsa. <laughs> oh, huh. And they really seemed to like it. So, yeah, it's just it's just kind of a little hobby. It's just kind of fun to do. I enjoy yeah. giving it away to friends and family who like hot sauce, mm -hmm. and they seem to like it too, so. Yeah, this week I planted uh, jalapenos and... Um, banana peppers and oh what was the other one it was a green pepper that was a hot pepper but i can't think of the name of it now i think it starts with an a and so i'm hoping that they will grow i'm not sure how they'll do at this elevation but i'm excited mm -hmm. to see if i can get some peppers out of them yeah have you planted those garden huckleberries yet i haven't but i have the seeds uh, ready mm -hmm. to go out. I wanted to make sure that it wasn't going to be too cold for them. I didn't want them to, to die off, but I have mm -hmm. a place in mind for, for them to grow. So I'm excited to give them a try. All right. Very good. Yeah. I hope you enjoy them as much as we, as much as we enjoy them. Yeah. <laughs> I expect we will. <clears throat> right now it's raining. I don't know if it's going to show up on our recording or not i was fiddling with some editing before i called you or you called me and i think i'll be able to clean it up mostly but mm -hmm. i uh am happy to hear it because that means that all the things we got in the garden this week will probably probably sprout we're having yeah it's 75 degree yeah. weather or so during the day mm-hmm yeah, it was it got fairly warm here this week. But I'm I'm hoping well not yeah, I'm not hoping. But the next couple of days it's supposed to get fairly cold. So I started the first fire in our wood stove in the first on uh, the last couple of days. Mm hmm And that is going in the room right beside me here. Okay. And that sounds cozy. It's supposed to get it's supposed to get down to about 20 to 25 degrees tonight mm. so fairly fairly cool does it ever get that cold up there down there 
Oh yeah. Um I remember the one day this last winter it was 17 when we went got up to do chores and then by lunchtime it was 71. I just I remember those seeing those two numbers that day. And that that was Fahrenheit. Mhm. Seventy-one degrees Celsius would be a bit much. <laughs> <laughs> yes, probably so. <laughs> I think I've been in saunas that were about that hot. <laughs> uh, uh, James, is it tomorrow or let's see? To, no, today is the twentieth, and is it the maybe the twenty-second that the James Webb Telescope is launched? Is it something like that? No, it was actually pushed off to the 24th for whatever uh, okay. reason, I guess. Um, maybe they had to wait a little bit so Santa could, could put it in his sleigh and haul it out to the Grange Point <laughs> L2. <laughs> okay. I'm not quite sure. Uh, yeah, I think there was some sort of anomaly or something that wasn't quite right, and they had to troubleshoot that. So they pushed it another couple days, and this has already been pushed it was the 22nd a couple weeks ago, and they already pushed a couple more days, so I don't know. <laughs> I saw a comic just recently, or a meme, that said that uh, the engineers recently discovered that the James Webb Space Telescope is actually made out of cake, and so they won't be able to launch it this year. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It seems like they're no, always I heard that finding it... something something else to uh, that's wrong with it. Yeah. Yeah, I heard that it it fell like last week or something. Well, it didn't fall. I think I don't know. There was some sort of an incident where it there was it vibrated or jostled around, and mm-hmm. uh, which is probably not as much vibration and jostling as it's actually going to feel going up through the atmosphere in the fairing of an Ariane Five <laughs> rocket. But probably. still, when you're spending approximately $10 billion on something, you want to make sure that it's going to work. <laughs> yeah, I am rather, day to day, I'm not stressed out, but when, but whenever I really think about it, it makes me really stressed <laughs> because... It, it, you only get one chance. Yeah, there's there's one James Webb Space Telescope. You have one shot if the rocket blows up on the pad or it explodes in the atmosphere or something doesn't light right when it uh, burns to go out past the moon or the mirrors don't unfold or the sunshade doesn't unfold or the solar panels don't unfold or there's something that goes wrong mm-hmm. with the mechanisms that are on there to adjust the mirror to make it focus. If any of those things break, it's a $10 billion chunk of metal that's just floating out past the moon. <laughs> so how would you like to be responsible for that? <laughs> yeah. Uh Working at Christian Light, I work as a project manager. Mm. This, yeah, my work sometimes seems complex with a lot of moving pieces, but it doesn't even begin <laughs> to be as complex mm-hmm. as this. I think I read somewhere that there are approximately 300 separate failure points on the JWST. Wow. That if any of those don't work exactly like they're supposed to, then, yeah, <laughs> Uh, you're you're out past the moon without a paddle. <laughs> it's very exciting, uh, even to even to someone like me who isn't super into space, to think of how this might affect the future, because 
it's what at least an order of magnitude better than the uh, the Hubble Space mm-hmm. Telescope or something like that. Yeah, yeah. In some things, it's about an order of magnitude or ten times better than mm-hmm. Hubble. And so, what if it gets out there? We'll just imagine that it works well. What is the thing that you're most excited about seeing or hearing about? Yeah. Well, it's and I and we talked about this on kind of an intro to a looking over life episode, but it's not built the same as Hubble. And so it's not going to necessarily send back pictures quite the same as Hubble. I think it's Mm -hmm. the astrophysicist who are more excited about James Webb. Mm -hmm. And they're also the ones that are probably the most anxious about (laughs) whether it works or not, because (laughs) they're quite likely up and coming astrophysicists who are banking on getting data from James Webb for the next 20 plus years of their career that they're going to be using. And if mm-hmm. they don't have it, well, then what are you going to do? Um, it's like having a bucket yeah. and nothing to put in it, in a sense. Yeah. And, and I also recently saw a hilarious comic talking about astrophysicists and how anxious they are about <laughs> James Webb launching. And we might put that in the show notes, a link to that picture for those who okay. are interested. So so I, I heard somewhere that one of the things astrophysicists are excited about is that it would be able to see further into uh, like the expanding edge of space. Mm-hmm. And so then that will help them to be able to pinpoint more exactly how many gazillion years ago that the Earth, the uh, our existence universe started through mm-hmm. the Big Bang. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that sounds about right. That's what they're most excited about. And the reason that is is because the further away galaxies and stars are, their light is basically stretched out. It's called redshift. Mm-hmm. And it eventually mm-hmm. gets stretched out so far that it goes from visible to the infrared spectrum, which you can't mm-hmm. see with the naked eye, which is why James Webb is designed specifically for infrared Okay, yeah. That's basically what it's designed for. There are obviously other things they can do with it, but that's uh, that's its main purpose is to look, in a sense, further back in time or to further distances than was possible before. And our next, for what it's worth, we will have passed when it should have launched, so maybe we'll get to get your reaction of either uh, the depths of despair or <laughs> <laughs> the heights of ecstasy. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, I mean, once it launches, it still is going to take probably a month, maybe two months to unfold everything and calibrate everything. I recently learned that each of the mirror segments, it's made up of a number of hexagonal segments. It almost looks like a honeycomb. They can, they all go together and, each of those segments can be adjusted individually to correct, so almost like corrective lenses, mm-hmm. to make sure it focuses exactly like it's supposed to. So it's uh, it's quite a fine instrument, but it's not just that; it's also huge. Man, man can do pretty amazing things, and I would say the James Webb Space Telescope is definitely one of those things. You have the Large Hadron Collider is another thing that's pretty amazing that man has done to try to kind of probe the depths of creation and see what we can see and what we can discover, what we can learn about the universe. But as much as man can do, we're also very limited. And I think that's something that science or scientists specifically 
don't always keep in mind for various reasons, and we mm-hmm. might talk about that in a future Looking Over Life episode, um, that thing of humility and science and how science and faith interact. Yeah. Right. That would be interesting. Well, we didn't come here today to talk about James Webb, though. <laughs> no, we didn't. We were discussing some ideas for possible topics, and you dropped in an idea that kind of struck me, and it was the topic of children. You know, what number of children should you have? <laughs> of course, if you're blessed <laughs> with the ability to have children, some people aren't. Right. Should you have one child, two children, three children? I think in some ways we might disagree with each other a little bit about <laughs> what is the ideal number, or if there is an ideal number. Mm-hmm. or just the general philosophy of the number of children we should have. And mm-hmm. we were originally talking about having this as a For What It's Worth episode. And uh, as much as we love you patrons, there's not just a lot of you. And so we thought, well, this is an episode that maybe warrants a fuller discussion more than just 10, 15, 20 minutes. And so we are actually mm-hmm. planning on discussing it in a future Looking Over Life episode. But we want to kind of give you a little mm-hmm. bit of a teaser so you can kind of see behind the curtain and see kind of what we're thinking about before it actually comes <laughs> out. So you'll kind of be primed and ready to go. So, Sean, I don't know yeah, if you have yeah. anything to add to uh, what I've been saying. Well, probably just if any of the patrons have ideas or feelings or, or whatever on the topic, if they would shoot the, shoot them to us soon, then that would be awesome because we'd be able to have that. Uh, influence our thinking Mm -hmm. Uh, we'll be recording the episode that we're thinking about what maybe in a month or so and so um, Mm -hmm. we'll have a little bit of time to chew on it yeah yeah that'd be much appreciated to get a little bit of feedback from you all as far as your your thoughts your questions on this particular topic I mean do you feel like there's a certain number do you feel like people should have more children than they are that they should have fewer yeah we just like to hear your thoughts um and we can maybe discuss some of those on Looking Over Life episode. To kind of think a little bit about this, Sean, as listeners no doubt know, he he has studies for everything. That's kind of where he goes first. And, <laughs> and, and he seems to really like the Pew Research Center. I'm not really sure why. They have really pretty graphs. Okay. Gotcha. <laughs> I mean, who cares whether their data is legitimate or not? <laughs> their graphs are no, really I good. Think- I think that's actually one reason that I appreciate the Pew Research articles is because they they often have really good links to their studies, and you can actually go to the studies themselves mm-hmm. and read them, which the studies are generally um, boring as watching paint dry, <laughs> and so they do a good job of, of putting in, you know, something digestible for for just regular people, but then you can also follow their their links to the actual studies and get the uh, the long, boring mm-hmm. uh, details of it. Yeah, so I'm just glancing down over this particular study or this uh, article based on the study, and at the very top, it talks about something that I... So back at the beginning of the pandemic, uh, of mm-hmm. course, everybody was, was... You know, you had lockdowns, everybody was locked inside, and we thought due to being locked inside with your significant other Mm -hmm. that, well, there might in nine to 10 months, there might be more children. And Sean, do you know what actually happened? Well, the birth rate actually dropped Mm -hmm. through uh, 2019 and 2020. This article 
comes out or came out in mid November. Mm-hmm. So it's fairly recent, recent data. But yeah, everything seems to be pointing to an actually significantly lower birth rate. Yeah, and I think some of that is probably simply due to economic uncertainty. I mean, things were shutting down. The stock market was crashing. Mm-hmm. People were losing their jobs, and I mean, the last thing you want to have when you have no have no job and the, the future looks pretty bleak is to be bringing another life into the world. And so, in a sense, mm-hmm. it's it's kind of understandable why people would hold off on having children during a time of uncertainty. But what's interesting is that kind of continues a trend that has been happening in the United States. And I think just in the last. I don't know, Sean, you might know better. Is it what, maybe the last 10 years or even, not even 10 years, is the United mm-hmm. States finally dropped below replacement fertility? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. And for a long time, I think the United States was one of the, in the developed world, actually had one of the higher birth rates compared to mm-hmm. Europe and some areas in Southeast Asia, such as Japan, mm-hmm. China, and so forth. But now the United States is kind of following that trend just down, 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 um, along with Europe and some of these other countries. And the question is, what is what's driving this decrease in the number of children people are having? Mm-hmm. I don't know if you have any thoughts or anything that you've read. Well, one of the data points from this particular article is that it's looking at people who are non-parents, so people who never have had children, mm-hmm. um, ages 18 to 49, not once they have already started a family, whether they will have more, mm-hmm. but if they don't have any, will they? And the people who are in the uh, not likely and not at all likely are the groups that's growing the most. And the study shows that people, when they ask why, why don't you want to have children, they simply responded with they don't they don't feel like it that's mm-hmm. that's the quote they didn't feel like having children so it just seems to be a a shift in almost not even thinking about children mm-hmm. um not that they are would like to have children but they're putting it off because they're choosing a career or they're choosing some other thing but it's that the idea of children doesn't come into the picture at all. Mm-hmm. That the idea of being single or else in a partnership without children is just kind of becoming the norm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you would think. I mean, if you just think about, okay, so children children require resources. You require increased mm-hmm. income to take care of them, and you would think that as as there is more resources, as there are more resources, as their country becomes more wealthy that there would be more children, mm-hmm. more resources, children need resources, okay, there's more children. But that just time and time again throughout the world, that is just not the case. And there mm-hmm. are quite a number of countries, I think Japan is one of the worst, uh, Japan and China, where they are so far below replacement fertility that there's this huge wave of elderly people that are coming that there just will not be any taxpayers to take provide government benefits to take care of uh, Japan's version of Medicare, Medicaid. And there's also not going to be nearly enough young people to work in what we'd call like old folks' homes, retirement homes, to take care of these older sure. people in the last couple years of life. And that's a bit of a problem. It's um, 
some people are saying it's a coming economic catastrophe in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, something that's happening all around the world, but it seems like it's coming to the United States as well. And so as as believers who, you know, we try to base our, our lives on the teachings of the Bible, not on the trends around us, although we certainly are influenced substantially by the trends around us. And so in our episode on looking over life, I think we're planning on talking a little bit more, not just what are the global trends, but more of a what should we do as believers? Mm -hmm. What does the Bible say about children, about having children, how many to have? Obviously, there's not really any specific numbers given, at least not that I can think of, but it does give some general guidance. And so we'll be talking a little bit about that. And really, that's what we want your input on is what do you... As you read the Bible as a believer, what do you take from that? How does that impact how we should view children and having children and mm-hmm. and different different issues that go along with that? So from a natural perspective, James, there are 7 point, uh, what, 2, 3 billion people in the world. Yeah, at least that many, maybe more. <laughs> the, the replacement rate is falling off. Um, what somewhat globally, I suppose. Yeah, it is. I think some of the some of the poor African countries are still uh, managing to keep up, which is perhaps a bit ironic. Mm-hmm. But um, what is the what is the effect on the planet for having? Okay, so we're at seven point something billion now. Mm-hmm. By twenty, uh, we're coming into twenty twenty two. Where do you project we'll be at 2025 and at 2050 if the Lord tarries that long? Well, I mean, I would say we're probably going to hit 8 billion probably before 2030. And by 2050, I would say we might be between 9 and 10. And Mm -hmm. they're actually predicting that the world population is going to flatten out at around 10 billion. 10 to 11 or 10 to 12 okay. simply because of increased wealth in African countries. And yes, they're lagging behind, but Mm -hmm. their birth rates are dropping as well. But then Mm -hmm. in the developed countries or even in developing countries, they are dropping down to below replacement. And so I think a lot of the population growth in the United States is not coming from, from American citizens having children. It's actually coming from immigration which uh-huh. I remember when the United States hit 300 million, and I'm not sure how many it is now. I'm thinking it's 330 or 300, and, between 330 and 350. And yeah, 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 so we've had a right. good bit of growth just in the last, I mean, I'm thinking, I can't remember when we hit 300, if it was around the year 2000 or something, but mm-hmm. we're still having a decent amount of growth, but the majority of that growth is coming from immigration, not from people having more children. So in another two generations, if the if we're saying below replacement, then like will the human race just like die off? <laughs> well, I think there is a there is a possibility that the population will start decreasing at some point through various factors. Mm-hmm. Those factors are complex. I mean, it could just be people stop having children, and so the older people start dying off from the, you know, the baby booms of the late 20th century. And then 
once they start dying off, the population, it's going to be, there'll be more people dying than those that are being born. So the population will just go down naturally. Mm -hmm. Other ways the population go down is widespread famine or disease, which seems to oftentimes accompany huge population growth. However, due to increased food production and increased, you know, better medicine, we haven't had nearly as many issues as we used to with that, and mm -hmm. which is one of the reasons we've been able to have such explosive population growth since the 1940s, 1950s. Mm -hmm. You had the Green Revolution, more food, more money, better, better access to medical care, and so you have fewer babies that are dying. You have older folks that are living longer, and so the population just starts exploding. And so we're, we're in the middle of that right now, although I think the population, the rate of population growth worldwide is slowing already, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think that's right. So do you think if the, if the world is still around 100, 150 years from now, what, what would you project? What's your extrapolation? <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> You'll be dead, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> that's right. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if the world is trash because I'll be dead. <laughs> yeah, I do not know. A wise man once said that the hardest thing about predicting the future is that it hasn't happened yet. <laughs> so yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, it is curious. So there, some of what uh, we want to talk about in our in our full episode is that there is a would you call it a movement? I mm -hmm. suppose it's a fairly new movement where there's a a group of or a, a, yeah, a rather large demographic of people who feel it is then their duty to fill the mm -hmm. earth, and maybe partly because of some of these data points that we're discussing. Yeah. And so, is that what God calls us to, uh, et cetera, et cetera? Mm -hmm. These are some of the things that we'd like to chew on in the in the main topic. Yeah. So, like we've said already, if you have any thoughts, we would love to hear them, and we won't mention your name <laughs> in the in the uh, the regular looking over life episode. We'd, but we'd love to have your question or comment that we could then discuss and kind of chew on a little bit. Well, that makes me uh, makes me excited for what we will be talking about. I think it will mm -hmm. be fun. I think so too. Okay, is that it? All right, I think so. I'm going to stop recording if if you're ready to stop recording